0: Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.
1: And now it's time for a Deep South legend that's been keeping it real here in Atlanta for over two decades. It's the Buck Baloo Show, only on The Fan.
2: Hello and welcome to the Buck Bello Show here on the Fan 680 and 93.7. We are the college football voice of the South, sports talk home of the Georgia Bulldogs, ranked number one, and the home of the Yellow Jackets. How about Glad you're f- with oh. me this morning. Big show planned. Got Rick Neuheisel will join me from CBS Sports coming up here in just a moment. Chris Doring at the bottom of the hour from the SEC Network, former Gator we continue to break down this Georgia-Florida game coming up on Saturday. We have got a lot to get to and a short time to get there. Road Dog in the house. Derek Thomas here, our engineer and producer. Let's get it rolling. Bucks Big. Tank. Phillies went down and went down hard in front of the so-called loudest fans in sports last night. Ah! Citizens Bank Park was eerily quiet in those final innings. And man, it emptied out quickly as the Diamondbacks celebrated their big win. (laughs) It wasn't supposed to happen this way, so what went wrong for the big bad Phillies? Bryce Harper proclaimed before the NLCS and after his uh, home run throat slash at the Braves that the reason they pay the team's big money stars is because they shine the brightest in the big moments. Well, I can say that, right? Not so much in the season's biggest moments on the big stage of Game 7. The Philly Stars came up small, and I mean really small. Schwarber, Turner, and Harper stunk it up. The big three went one for 11 in game seven with no runs and no RBIs. Now, that was an embarrassing return the Phillies got for the big threes. million salary combined this season. There will be no World Series glory for Philadelphia. And I must say, as a Braves fan, that makes my day. (laughs) Yes, sir, that makes my day. And the big take is, brought to you by deco systems heating and air for your heating and uh, air conditioning repair contact locally owned daycare deco systems at DaycoSystems.com. keeping Atlanta comfortable one day at a time yo yeah, Harper man he was uh, he was swinging a big bat against the Bravos I give him credit for that but the biggest stars that are getting paid the big money uh, they they failed miserably in the final two games of this series. And as I mentioned, you got Swarber making twenty million a year. Phillies are paying Trey Turner twenty seven million a year. Bryce Harper's getting twenty six million a year. You added up seventy three million dollars, one for eleven last night in the season's biggest game. So they they did not come through. Joining me now on the Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker line, Rick Neuheisel with CBS Sports and Sirius SiriusXM Radio. Rick, we appreciate your time as always, man. How you doing?
3: Buck, it's always good to talk with you. I'm doing fine. College football is uh, going along earnestly, and uh, it's another great year. Uh, I know that folks down in your part of the world are giddy about those Bulldogs undefeated again. It's uh, been quite a run for that Georgia program.
2: Yeah, 24 wins in a row. Best since the early 80s, believe it or not, when you uh, you had a little experience with, with Georgia back then. So I see Dan Mullins got the dogs number six in his poll this week. I've got him number two. I've yet to have him at number one so far this season. What about you, Rick?
3: Uh, I think I've got them at number two. I think I've got Michigan ahead of them. And uh, I'm a little disappointed in myself that I haven't uh, called out Michigan for not having played anybody, especially <laughs> when they dodged UCLA and they dodged Arkansas as uh, as. uh worthy opponents to kind of put together this, seat, this particular schedule. But you can't hate the player, hate the game. The, the college football player doesn't seem to care who you play. He just wants you to play well and keep winning. And uh, certainly both Michigan and Georgia have done that. Michigan has dispatched of everybody. Georgia's, you know, struggled at times. They had fell behind at halftime in two games. But uh, I know that given the – kind of personnel that Kirby Smart enjoys there in Athens, they're going to find their way uh, to this uh, four-team four playoff again.
2: What are your impression of the Florida Gators? Are you expecting a competitive game against Georgia?
3: I am. I am. Uh, the question is, can Florida muster any kind of running game? Because when Graham Mertz has a running game to go along with him, all of a sudden it's much easier for that high-percentage passing game to keep churning out first downs. But when they get behind the chains and you know second and ten or third and eight, then it becomes much more difficult, and that's a, I, why I think we'll end up being the tail of the tape, and why Georgia will end up winning this game against the Gators.
2: Yeah, manageable third downs always uh, beneficial for the quarterback. Gators are 109th in college football offensively converting on third down, but I tell you what. These two quarterbacks are both performing at a high level, accurate, good decision-makers. What do you like about Beck and
3: Mertz? Well, let's start with Beck. Uh, he's a big dude, man. I mean, uh, Aaron Murray told me he's 6'5". Uh, <laughs> In cleats. So, uh, is, is he not 6'5", six six Oh, yeah,
2: six he's 6'4", six six no doubt about it.
3: Yeah, he is. Uh, he's a he's a big son of a gun. Uh, certainly sees the field well. And you know, even though they're missing Brock Bowers, and obviously Brock's a tremendously talented guy and a difference maker for the offense, I actually think in some ways it's going to be helpful to Georgia because they've got so many kids that are so deserving of chances and targets uh, over the course of a game that just can't get them because you have to give the ball to Bowers, or you just can't look at yourself in the mirror. As Offensive coordinator, uh, there's going to be opportunities to spread the wealth, and guys like uh, Lovett and uh, Ra Ra Thomas and and uh, Lad McConkey are all of a sudden going to feel a lot more rhythm in this offense. And I believe with that, you'll have a lot more energy, uh, and I think it's going to start looking like everybody remembers Georgia offense looked.
1: Yeah, and
2: Billy Napier will have uh, access to his go to guy. This Ricky Pearsall is is really impressive. He's on pace to break the all-time Gator single-season receptions record with what he's got going on. So they, they've got access to him. Uh, Mike Bobo has got to adjust the plan a little bit, right? It's more about spreading the wealth around.
3: That's exactly right. And I think uh it'll also instead of being just all scripted throws, meaning that, you know, the quarterback knows exactly where he's going when he's going back, whether it's a quick screen or different things where we know exactly where we're throwing the ball. I think it'll lot be a lot more just read the field type of stuff which I think will help Carson Beck in the long run when you get ready for those big games at season's end, and you have to read the field to make those third down critical deals. So I, I think this is going to loosen up Georgia's offense. They're never going to get too far away from a running game and Dijon Edwards and company, but but uh, this, is, this is, I think, going to help Georgia uh, as they await Brock Bowers' return.
2: What about the defenses, Rick? Georgia, they look at some of these categories, and they're awesome. Scoring defense, third down defense, and then you look at some of the other categories that normally are important, force turnovers, uh, red zone defense. They're not up to speed in those areas. Uh, What do you make of this Georgia defense so
1: far?
3: Well, I know this. When they gave up over 200 yards rushing to Auburn, some alarms went off. I don't know where they, where they heard them. It Was it in the locker room or was it uh, in, in their earphones that they get from all these companies? But somehow, some way, they came to life for that Kentucky game. And I suspected it because when you give up 200 yards rushing in a Kirby Smart program, you're going to hear about it. And I believe that the attention to detail on that side of the ball is going to get better and better and better. Uh, Listen, they've been replacing pros now for the last two years. Double-digit guys going off to the NFL from this program. So you're going to feel it for a bit. But I think the depth is still there, and as we get to this portion of the season, after another little mini-camp, which happens over the course of a bye week, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more attention to detail, and I think you're going to be very happy as you watch this defense uh, play in the uh, all-important late October and month of November.
2: Yeah, Hugh Freeze really game-planned up that, uh, really got after him on the edge, especially with a quarterback run that did some damage in the Auburn game. and.
3: And no. did it with the kid that wasn't the quarterback runner,
2: right? Yeah, Dayton really Thorn threw him doing off doing guard. It. Yeah,
3: so so that he, you know, he might have been, might have been a tactical move, thinking, hey, they're not thinking with Thorne in there that they got to be so cognizant of the quarterback, and that's why he got that edge.
2: All right, great having Rick on. Uh, by the way, Bucks Beat podcast will be back later today. Episode ninety will drop, and you can hear the entire Rick Neuheisel interview as we have some more thoughts on the Georgia-Florida game rivalry and also some of the other big topics going on in college football. Always great having Rick on. Coming up next, more on the Georgia-Florida matchup, plus big keys to success for both the Jackets and the Volunteers. You got the Blue Show here on the fan, 680 and 93.7.
4: And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now, it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com/mac. First Horizon Bank member FDIC.
2: show here on the fan getting you ready for a big weekend in football plus friday night we got you covered too with our friday night football game of the week we got rome taking on creekview this friday night kickoff at seven thirty. then you can stick around after the game for the georgia high school scoreboard show get updates and scores from around the state all of it presented by johnny's new york style pizza wnb factory piedmont urgent care And Fox 5, Atlanta. And we've got our high school game, another uh, big one coming up for us tomorrow night. As we take on the rival. South Forsyth taking on Lambert. Two schools separated by a couple of miles just down the street. And, you know, it's really personal because you know everybody. I mean, you don't want to lose to your friends. That's the worst thing that could happen. So a, a big game for us coming up tomorrow night. Looking forward to checking that out. Right now, though, looking forward to just talking a little college football. So we uh, were giving you a lot on the Georgia-Florida game this week, and I'm sure you expected that. Got some other games of interest, too, like uh, Georgia Tech and North Carolina. Got the Tar Heels uh, coming off a ugly loss to Virginia. I was a little surprised to see that happen. I mean, Virginia, 1-5, and they take down undefeated North Carolina. North Carolina needs to come in here to Atlanta on Saturday night and get a W. Uh, then they'll face one loss, Duke, in a matchup that looms pretty big. I'm sure the Tar Heels would love to get a shot at the ACC championship. So they're going to need to win over Tech and Duke This looming out there. And I know it sounds a little bit crazy, North Carolina and Duke. I must be talking college basketball. Well, no. We're talking college football, man. Uh, North Carolina and Duke are legit this season. So if Carolina can take down Tech, they got Duke, Clemson, and NC State remaining in the season. Run the table, you're in the ACC championship game. and to do that all those things they they need to uh keep uh, Drake May the big time quarterback they've got they need to take uh protect him keep him clean in the pocket but uh the the thing I was a little shocked by in that loss to Virginia is, is North Carolina's they got a big time running back Omari Hampton who is flat running the football this season very successfully, and they totally ignored him in the Virginia game. They went totally pass-happy. Big-time running back Hampton got five carries in the second half. Final nine minutes of the game didn't touch the ball once. And I'm a little stunned that Mac Brown didn't uh, turn on that headset and talk to his offensive coordinator and uh, remind him that you've got a big-time running back that you're ignoring. You're not feeding And I think that was a big reason why North Carolina went down to Virginia in that game. Tech now feeling pretty good in the fact they've won two in a row over the Tar Heels. I heard Joe talking about that earlier this week out in the break room. Yeah, we um, just got, we're confident against the Tar Heels, is what Joe was saying. We've whipped them two years in a row. Problem is, Tech's run defense... When you think about North Carolina and this quality running back Hampton that they've got, I just sit here and wonder if Georgia Tech's run defense can hold up. Because they're allowing, get this, 227 yards rushing a game. How about Tech? That is last in the ACC in run defense. And that is next to last in all of college football. Next to last. 130 teams. Tech is 129th in run defense. Brent Key might want to try to sneak an extra defender on the field. You know, run a player off and run two on. Try to sneak it past the officials. Because they got to be better against the run. If they're going to stay in this game against North Carolina. And I'm a little concerned about Tech doing this because listen to Brent Key he's talking about how the offense runs through the quarterback Drake May quarterback they
3: got good skill players you know they added a skill player a couple weeks ago that that's uh, a dynamic explosive player you know really added to it you know they're able to get their running backs uh you know going but it, it goes through Drake. I mean, it's, it's it's very obvious you know they've got experience up front on the line the coordinator play callers doing a, doing a good job of doing what drake is comfortable with uh, doing you know playing the game through you know or calling the game I should say through his eyes so you know they're 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 well rounded uh, team but you know the quarterback is is the thing that makes it go and ability to get the ball out and get it to his playmakers
2: Tara Heels, 11 and a half point favorites All right, SEC, you got Tennessee, Kentucky. uh, They're knocking heads up in Lexington Saturday night. Uh, These rivals going at it, and they're playing for uh, third, fourth place in the SEC East, basically. That's the bottom line here. (laughs) They're not playing for anything big, but...
3: I think you nailed it.
2: Tennessee's gotten the best of them through the years. I'm sure Kentucky would love to knock them off, feel a little better about themselves if they can do that. Tennessee with some elite pass rushers. They get after the quarterback pretty well. And you got Kentucky uh, likes to play ball control with their offense. Uh, They got Ray Davis. You remember everybody was blowing him up coming into the Georgia game. And best I remember, Ray Davis didn't do a heck of a lot against the dogs with that running attack. And you would think, okay, Kentucky's going to want to get that run game going against Tennessee, play ball control against the Volunteers. Yet I was reading where Kentucky been very open about their off week coming into this game where they've worked overtime on their passing game. Maybe they're, you know, trying to uh, deke, trick, the Tennessee team uh, into thinking that okay, Kentucky man, they're talking about working on that passing attack. They're gonna come in here and throw the, they're gonna throw the football against us. Uh, I would be stunned if that happened. You know, two years ago, Kentucky ran ninety nine plays in their game against Tennessee. I kid you what? not, ninety nine plays they ran against Tennessee. Vols only ran forty seven.
3: You're making that up, Buck. That's no, I'm not serious.
2: True. Two years ago. Played ball control, 99 plays. They controlled the clock, all right? Time of possession. Kentucky had the ball 46 minutes to Tennessee's 14. Tennessee, well, they had to win that game, right? What? Tennessee won 45-42. <laughs> That's crazy. Tennessee, a big play offense there. Mark Stoops, 2-8 against Tennessee.
5: That's surprising because they've been a pretty solid P- pretty solid program here for 10 plus years now. And yeah, Tennessee's they just can't been up seem, and down for sure. Can't
2: seem to do the deal against their rivals, Tennessee. They're at home, extra week to get ready. Tennessee a little bit down compared to where they've been the last year or two. Kentucky sounds like you might just get it done this week. Sounds weekend. like you're
3: leaning, Buck. Sounds like you're leaning. Yeah, we'll have picks a week there
2: later this go. week. Right now, though, it's time for the Northeast Georgia Health System Injury Report.
1: It's now time for the Northeast Georgia Health System Injury Report. Improving the health of the community in all we do. Yeah, we're going to talk about the
2: Bulldogs right tackle situation on offense. The starter, Amarius Mims, had tightrope surgery, uh, I believe, about six weeks ago. And he has been practicing this week. Now, when he went down injured, they moved... Xavier Truss from left guard to right tackle to take Mims' place. And Truss did a really good job. Well, he's injured his ankle. Apparently, he's a little bit closer to 100% than, than Mims is. He's been practicing this week, Truss. So, Mims and Truss both on the practice field getting ready for the Gators. i tell you what, instead of hearing it from me, let's hear it from Kirby Smart giving us an update on the Georgia right tackle situation, both guys
5: have been able to take some reps, and work. Uh, Xavier probably ahead of Mims, uh, which is what we expected. Uh, but but I was really pleased uh, with with Mims. He pushed really hard today and got out there, got some work in. And um, and Trust has been out there, you know, both days.
2: Yeah, so that uh, situation seems to be getting a little better.
1: Let's get to the Bulldog Roundtable. Proud to be the official sports talk station of the dogs. And it's time for Bulldog Roundtable with Buck Balloon. 25-20, Line 10-5. Get in there! Touchdown! Bulldog Roundtable is proudly presented by Georgia's own credit union. Georgia Pack and Load, Finley Roofing, and by attorney Ken Nugent. And that's gonna be the ballgame. Georgia will win this ballgame only on the fan. 680 and 937 FM discover the hobson
2: and hobson newsmaker line bring on chris Doring, sec network analyst you love him on sec football final every saturday co-host of the sirius xm sec now show former gator wide receiver and
5: a longtime friend of the show chris we appreciate you man thanks for coming on Man, always fun to be on with you, Buck, and uh, just uh, a great week, man. It doesn't matter if you're a Florida fan or a Georgia fan. I think we can all agree it's uh, it's an awesome week, man. Looking forward to Saturday.
2: Hey, I was curious. Mullen, uh, he has uh, Georgia number six this week. Uh, I have not had him number one yet. I do have him number two. I was curious, as you rank out the top teams in college football, where do you have the dogs right now?
5: I've had him at number two pretty much all season long, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, it's such a subjective exercise when you're talking about ranking teams throughout the first half of the season. A lot of what I base my rankings on are quality wins, and we all know how the schedule kind of shaped up for the first half of the season for Georgia. Um, I, I had florida state up there at number one just because of their wins against lsu and and in death valley against clemson uh but i did have georgia at number two but i mean we all know man the schedule it's it's crazy how how much different it looks for georgia in the second half of the year than maybe it looked at the beginning of the season and i, I don't remember a run that has uh four successive weeks of as challenging a games as what georgia will face and You make it through that unscathed, they will unquestionably be number one team in my poll, at least.
2: Yeah, and I saw where uh, one of these uh, ESPN insiders, uh, we've got the college football playoff poll coming out next Tuesday, and he's anticipating that Georgia would be number six. I'm surprised by that.
5: Yeah, I have no. Uh, I I I definitely don't think that would be number six. I mean, it, it, I understand that there are certain criteria that the college football playoff committee utilizes. I've had a chance to go through that mock committee, um, but I, I I think there anybody that turns on the tape, and that's one of the things. That's one of the reasons why they have coaches on that uh, on that, that that committee is is because you turn on the tape, you can see. You know, the eye test tells you that Georgia is better than the number 16 in the country. So I, I who wherever that report came from, I, I am saying that uh, that is off base. I don't have any belief they'll be that low.
2: Hey, uh, I want to go big picture before we dive into the game real quick. Uh, you, you're you one of the uh, ones that have uh, you've played in the uh, Jacksonville, Georgia, Florida game, and you've played on campus, uh, both in Gainesville and in Athens. Uh, you got a great uh, view on this uh, are are you hoping that this game remains in Jacksonville or would you like to see it go back home and home
5: no nah, you know it was a great uh novelty to have the opportunity to have Georgia come to Gainesville and to, to play between the hedges is such a you know I, I I consider myself to be a college football uh historian having grown up around the Gator program and in the conference in general and just getting to go between the hedges was something that was really awesome and I love being able to say that I'm one of the, the, the few Florida players to ever play Georgia in Jacksonville, Gainesville, and in Athens. But uh, it, it the fact that it it uh, is such a different game, and, and you know this, I mean, being in the, the Hall of Fame like you are, like I am there, the fact that there's a Hall of Fame just committed to one game speaks to how special it is. And I think when you take it and move it to on campus, home and away, it becomes a, uh, a just like every other conference game. And so in this – Ever-changing college football landscape that we're experiencing right now. Uh, holding on to tradition is important, particularly in this conference. And so, I'm, I'm for one. Uh, I love, you know, coming over that bridge and seeing the orange and blue and the red and black. I love the 50 50 split in the stadium. You know, I love the fact that that Georgia students get Fridays off to come down and, and and be a part of the weekend. I love the the tradition of everybody kind of meeting up in Jacksonville. It's it's a different weekend and it's special because of it. What
2: was it like playing in Sanford Stadium? I know you guys had a big day that day, but what was the atmosphere like as you remember?
5: Well, I remember it was uh, uh there was a lot of uh hatred uh, towards us, ah. which, you know, <laughs> I, I, I love. It was uh pregame I remember kind of the hostility and, and uh some of the, the things that were being yelled from the around the field there as we were going through our, our pregame warm ups and all. But um I loved it, man. And I I you you I'm sure you agree. It's so much fun to go into those those road games. As much fun as it was to play in the Swamp, I love going to Jordan-Hare. I love getting a chance to come to Sanford Stadium. I, I loved uh, going to Neyland Stadium. Th- those were the experiences that uh, make college football so amazing, particularly in the SEC, and it was uh, it was fun uh, <laughs> not to come on your show and, and talk trash, but coming out at halftime and seeing uh-huh. that we had pretty much emptied the stadium out of all the red and black was one of the, the, the fun experiences for me for sure. Yeah, we're not going to cut you off. We're going to let you get it all in.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, let's talk about the Skater offense, man. I tell you what, I've been really impressed watching Graham Mertz play this season. He he's been uh, better than expected uh, as I look at it, and I've been really impressed. High percentage completion rate, uh doing a good job protecting the football. Uh, they uh, they've got some weapons around him, uh, Johnson and ETN look like a, a really dynamic duo at running back. And and I'm really impressed with Ricky Pearsall, mm-hmm. who is on track to break the Florida season-season record in catches. And I'm sure Mertz is going to be trying to get him the football coming up on Saturday in Jacksonville. Tell us about the skater offense.
5: Man, you're right on point with all of those things. Buck, I, I think um you go back to the off season when the announcement came out that Mertz was coming over from Wisconsin through the transfer portal. I don't think there was any Gator fan that was all that smoked up about that. But, you know, having covered the spring game for Florida, um, talking to the coaches, everything they told me, whether it was his football IQ, whether it's his leadership, whether it's his accuracy, whether it's his, his understanding of the offense, like All of those things have held true and probably exceeded what the expectation levels were of the coaches. I mean, this guy was completing close to 80% of his passes before the South Carolina game. Uh, Really done a nice job of protecting the football. I think you as a former quarterback would appreciate the way that he moves in the pocket, has a great feel for where the pressure is coming from and slides well uh, to buy himself a little extra time. And then to your point about the, the weapons around the quarterback position Florida has not had this kind of of group of of skilled players in in a while now. Um, Anthony Richardson was kind of a one-man show, but I think this team is more about uh, distribution of the ball to those skilled players. Ricky Pearsall in his second year at Florida has been tremendous, both a, a guy that can operate in the short to intermediate as well as taking the top off um he he, look at Trey Wilson a freshman true freshman that's come in and been fantastic uh Khalil Jackson son of Willie Jackson you remember Willie from uh back in the 90s with us at Florida as well his father was the first African-American African-American player at Florida so a a great family lineage there for Khalil um and it just it it, it, is running back position as you kind of talked about too Uh, That was the strength of this team last year. The the offensive line is not as good. They're they're not controlling the line of scrimmage like they did last season. Uh, But I think the addition of the vertical passing game, like we saw in South Carolina, has kind of offset maybe what was a little bit of a a step back in terms of the run game production this year.
2: Florida offense, uh, as I look at it, uh, what about you as far as uh, one of the keys for them to be successful against the Georgia defense is, to have some success on first and second down, right? You want some manageable third downs. Gators have had a little bit of an issue protecting Mertz at times.
5: Yeah, I mean uh, that's the thing that's been a little frustrating is is how many free uh, runners have, have have taken shots at Mertz, and and obviously you you want to keep your quarterback upright. And he's been able to avoid injury so far this year, but they've got to be more consistent and at least get in hand on some guys uh, and and not let them come completely scot free. But um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Staying on staying on schedule is important. Um, you know, I liked the game plan against South Carolina. You saw a lot of, of of play action pass on first and second down. Something that they weren't doing as much early in the season. Um, but I, I, I do think that uh, you know they still are a run first offense, which you know Billy Napier's kind of built his reputation on, dating back to his days at Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, it's going to be a tough challenge to to run against this this Florida, uh, excuse me, Georgia defensive front. And I think sometimes you'll see Florida use the quick pass game as a substitute for their ability to line up and, and move people off the line of scrimmage in the run game. So uh, I think it's important to to keep them off balance uh, and uh, important to have that success and not find yourself in third and 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 long situations where Georgia can just pin their ears back and come get you.
2: George's offense will be without the go-to guy Brock Bowers, who is uh, out injured. Everybody knows that. God, I bet the Gators are, are pretty happy they don't have to deal with him. I, I plug in the the tape on the Florida defense, and I can't quit looking at those two massive uh, nose guards that they've got, uh, Jackson and Watson, uh, close to three fifty, four hundred pounds. Uh, apparently, uh, I'm just I'm thinking I'm glad I'm not playing. I don't want those guys falling on me. Uh, what yeah. do you make of this side of the ball?
5: You know, the defense has uh, improved significantly from where they were last year. They were one of the worst in the country on getting off the field on third down tries. Uh, they've they've uh, really improved in that way. I think they're playing more soundly uh, from an assignment soundness uh, perspective. Um, lots of young guys, you know, whether uh, well, lots of new guys, they, uh, a bunch of transfer guys uh, up front on the defensive line. They've, they've created some depth there. Uh, they get a little bit more pressure without having to blitz. They get a little more penetration in the run game. Um, in terms of, of linebackers, man, number 17, Scooby Williams is a young guy that uh, has impressed me this year. Uh, another true freshman playing at the safety spot, Jordan Castell, is a, a guy that is uh, uh, going to be a superstar in this conference. Um, so Florida, uh, I think they've they've improved uh, in terms of their, their talent on the defensive side. And certainly improved with their discipline this year. Uh, the one game I, I go back and look at the uh, the Kentucky game really had a hard time stopping the the Kentucky run game, and so uh, that's kind of one of the things I'm looking at this week, Buck, is, is if they could be a little more stout against the the Georgia run game than they were against the Wildcats. Expecting a close, hard-fought game here. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a blowout. I think you know a lot of Florida fans are feeling optimistic based upon the improvement uh what we saw offensively against South Carolina now obviously that's a two-win team and it's it's tough to really uh feel comfortable that you've made some significant strides but I do think if Florida continues to to be aggressive offensively that they can uh stay in the ball game I don't know if they can win it or not but I, I think it's probably closer than maybe the the Vegas uh line would tell you
2: encouraged with uh the job Napier's doing
5: Yeah, I am. I I like Coach Napier a lot. I I think he's had a great plan since taking over the program. Uh, You look at the recruiting class, Florida's uh, I think uh, uh, number three in the 2024 signing class right now continue to add to that, so that that creates a lot of optimism. Um, I think they did a good job in the portal the last two years, which tells me they, they understand how to evaluate and project what players will look like in their own schemes. So I, I do think they're on the right track. That that win over South Carolina was a huge pressure reliever, though, and I think um, uh, hopefully that's the game we look back and, and say that Florida turned the corner uh, on that uh, October afternoon in Columbia, South Carolina.
2: Hey, always appreciate your insight. Keep up the great work on the SEC Network.
5: Thank you, Buck. I appreciate it. Always an honor to be on with you, man. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, see you down the road. Chris Doring, checking in here on the Buck Show. 10 o'clock, hour sponsor uh, brought to you by Dupree Plumbing. Go with the plumber I trust and score $50 off your next plumbing service at dupreeplumbing.com. You can listen multiple ways to the show and the station, 680 AM, 93.7 FM. We're streaming at 680thefan.com. Fan mobile app driven by Beaver Toyota of coming. Beaver Direct, fastest and easiest way to shop online for your next vehicle Let them wow you up and coming at Beaver Toyota. Coming up next, can the Falcons rise up Sunday in Nashville? I got a big key to that happening. Stick around for that. You got the Show here on The Fan, 680 and 93.7.
4: Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How?
0: Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.
2: Buck Blue Show here on the fan, 680 and 93.7. College football, voice of the South. And we're on the Falcons, too. Falcons taking on the Titans coming up Sunday. Rise up! One o'clock in Nashville. Titans two and four. and Not exactly having a season they can be proud of. Falcons are in first place, though, baby! What? Yeah, first place Falcons. It's been a minute. Titans with two weeks get ready for this Falcons game. Does that concern you? did not really concern me that much. They've only scored 16 points in each of their last two games, which were both losses to the Colts and the Ravens. And I tell you what, I'm feeling good about the Falcons because of this defense we've got. Nielsen and that group, man, they are playing outstanding on the defensive side of the ball, and we are physical in the front seven against the run game. Number eight in the National Football League and run defense. We're allowing less than a hundred yards rushing per game. Isn't that fun for you to say, Buck? Isn't that so refreshing compared to what we've had in Atlanta for what seems like twenty years? Especially as we get ready to face Derrick Henry. The beast. Yeah, all six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds of him. Lord, I'm glad I don't try to tackle him for a living. I'd have to make a business decision and get the heck out of the way. Go low on Derrick Henry, man. Dive at the feet. He's getting 16 carries a game, averaging 4.3 yards per carry. And there's some tread left on the tire. Dude, he's he's touched the ball like 2,155 times in his career. Still a little uh, tread left on the tire. In fact, I hear the Cowboys... Uh, Snooping around on the availability of Derrick Henry as we approach the NFL trade deadline. Hmm. Eight season for Derrick Henry. I don't think our Falcons defense is scared of him right now. And uh, certainly the Falcons defense probably licking their chops with the news that that Will Levis is going to get the start. For the Titans, at quarterback, make his NFL debut against this rugged Falcons defense. I looked at Will Levis as a turnover machine coming out of Kentucky. And with the way Ritter's been turning that ball over, holy cow. Can you imagine how many turnovers we may see on Sunday? When I hear Will Levis's name, I immediately think turnovers, and then I think about the green room at the NFL draft where, man, he had that Aaron Rodgers experience, right, where you're just sitting there and the cameras are in your face and you're waiting on somebody to call and nobody's calling, and you just feel like you want to go into a closet and hide. And Levis didn't get the call until the next day. As he went in the second round. So apparently, uh, Will Levis, if he stinks it up, I guess I'll put Malik Willis in there. As Tannehill is out with a high ankle sprain. But I'm not worried about Derrick Henry. Normally, when the Falcons would face the Titans, I'd say, holy cow, man, we better get 14 defenders on the field trying to tackle him. With Nielsen running the show and with the talent the Falcons have on defense, I'm feeling a lot better. And it's one of the reasons
1: why the Falcons are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Time for the final word. Brought to you by Howard Brothers, keeping Georgia green since 1955.
2: Yeah, final word today, a heartfelt shout-out and a praise. Let's start with the uh, the praise. Happy 18th birthday to my oldest son, Braden, 18 today. And a shout-out to former teammate, one of my best friends in this world, Kevin Butler, who lost his father, JoJo, last week. Uh, the masses today, visitation was last night. Had a chance to go out last night and spend some time with kevin and his family and give his mom a big hug they are hurting and uh, thoughts and prayers going out to the butler family today Uh, never easy saying goodbye to your father i think about mine all the time and he's been gone about a decade now something comes up every single day it seems like i think about big ben it's going to do it for my show today. I uh, appreciate you hanging out Monday through Friday, 10 to 11. We'll do it again tomorrow. Got Brad Nestler coming on, talking Georgia, Florida, Javon Bullard, the hard-hitting safety for the Bulldogs. They will appear on the Bulldogs show tomorrow. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Thank you, bud.
4: A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on.